Same color Chardonnay, snowflake falling out the face, play the Marvin Gaye. I made a call to Bay and told the breakfast on the way. I'm so elated, push the ball like Charlemagne. I'm urinating, making music in the mama lay. My bait got ass, got the NBA head up to class. She let me NBA through it off for glass. Of the Hennessy, mm, kinda tight in here, baby, came from Tennessee. Mm, I'm a Viking here, swimming in the sea. Trim that little tree, I'm cream that little cream. Welcome to Give Me a Loop Podcast with Xavier Marley. What's up to all my looters out there? Man, that song was called Fonto Isley. Sample Ron Isley and the Isley Brothers, man. Sounds good. Sounds real good. I was listening to that this week. That was part of my uh, quarantine track list. You know, I was just thinking about making a, a playlist, you know, putting it on Spotify and shit so people could really listen to it, get some new music, things like that, or music they haven't heard of ever in their lives or whatever for my young guys out there. But let me say a rest in peace to Mary Wilson from the Supremes. You know, she, um, she was a real big part in Motown and that Motown sound. She helped create with her and Diana Ross and Florence, man, uh, rest in peace to her. First off, let me say congratulations to Tom Brady, the motherfucking goat man. Shouts out to him. Seventh Super Bowl win. It was a beautiful game. I got to watch it, man. They blew him out. Uh, people got mad at the refs in the game, but I look at it like this. It was a clean game. It was a clean fight. You know, no dirty blows. So it was it was a good game, man. Um, it was a couple of things I found unique about the whole uh, Super Bowl. It was the two people that did the uh, national anthem. I thought that was pretty unique. That haven't happened in a long time. Very long time. I can't remember off the top of my head who was the last person to do it, but it did happen before. So this time it was Jasmine Sullivan and Eric Church. Um, I thought it was kind of weird because it was two people. Who knows what type of message was being sent out by having two people do it. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, You know, a lot of people were giving praise to uh, the Bucks for having... Black assistant coaches and stuff in the NFL. I thought that was that was pretty cool too. Let's give it up for them. Um, you know, I you know when that discussion always come up about black coaches and the lack of coaches in the NFL. Sometimes I just think like people are missing the point. I don't think it's the actual you know action of not hiring black coaches. I just don't think the pool is a lot. I did read that the weekend has spent seventeen million to perform. 17 fucking million. Can't you believe that shit? But, however, he did have a 200% increase in Spotify streams since the performance. You know, so congratulations to The weekend man. He did his thing. You know, it was a great performance. I know people didn't like it. They didn't like the whole, you know, running around and everything that he was doing. And I and they wanted guests. People wanted to guess, but you know what? That just shows you that people are so used to things being how they are that they refuse to change. 
You know, I just think that it was just dope that he did it by himself. It was about him. He wanted to showcase his talent. It was his big stage. If you think about it, Weekend has always been in the shadows, whether it's for Drake or it was any other R&B artist. Weekend has done his thing or always been in the shadows. And even the Grammys, no one didn't, you know, give him a nomination. So in his mind, he's like, yo, fuck you. I'm going to show the fuck out. And I'm going to put on and I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it Abel's fucking way. So, shouts out to The weekend, man. Uh, I really fuck with the performance and I liked it because I understand Abel's vision and things like that. But it's maybe not for everybody, you know. I respect that. I respect when things are for you and you're able to call it that wish for you. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I was just thinking, too, about a lot of things. I was watching an interview with CJ and the dude that did Whoopty. Uh, I watched an interview with him and Fat Joe, and one thing he brought up was, you know, about Rolling Loud and how he saw people at Rolling Loud, and I just started to think, like, damn, like, you know, people today, you know, artists today, they look forward to Rolling Loud, and now that COVID is happening, Rolling Loud is, like, gone, so it's like, you know, I it reminds me of how people used to be for Summer Jam. In New York, you know what I'm saying? That that's that first week of June, that crazy hot first week of June. Everybody's at Summer Jam. It's crazy. Even though Summer Jam still has his legacy and is still in the business to this day, you know, the way he talked about it, I made it, it made me feel like Summer Jam was played out. And and I don't know if Hot 97 is gonna have Summer Jam or that feel for Summer Jam the same way once things uh, get back out there and people will people want to go to concerts? I don't know. I know that I know people gonna want to go to festivals and things like that because you know it's always good shit at festival. Whether it's drugs, food, whatever, sex, it's always something at festivals going on. So people gonna always want to go to festivals. But I just think that you know the time we live in it, it's not the same. You know what I'm saying? People today look more forward to going to Coachella than they do to Summer Jam. So I don't know, but the way he was talking about it made me think that. And then I started to think like, damn, whatever happened to Blueface? Like, whatever happened? And then, you know, I started to go down that rabbit hole of Blueface and I saw that he sold 12,000, you know, his first week of his opening of his album, things like that. I'm like, Damn, was he a bust? And then I started to think, man, is it really him? I know he raps off beat, and a lot of people hate that shit. But I look at it like this. Was it him, or was it the rollout? Was it WAC 100's fucking fighting with everybody? You know, the things he said about Nipsey. Was it Blueface and Adam 22 interview where uh, Adam brought up Nipsey around Blueface and Blueface was eating chips and people felt like that shit was disrespectful. Like, I don't know. Could that have ruined his career? I I have no idea, but I look at Blueface and I think his time has gone. I think he was, you know, I think he tried to do troll tactics and antics while the trolling wave, you know, it came and gone. You know what I'm saying? You look at somebody like a little pump. I mean, if he drops today, nobody would give a fuck. Nobody would care. It's just that it's just what it is. We have moved on so fucking much and we have we are now on a different fucking level when it comes not even to the music business, but just to like social media and things like that. People really don't care. I mean, I saw six nine, he didn't even look like six nine. Holy shit. You know what I'm saying? Outside of his weight issue or whatever the case may be, he got all these new tattoos and things like that. I don't think people really give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? People have really moved on and the story has moved on and we're on the bigger and better things. I don't know. 
So that's what I was thinking about the whole uh, interview when it came to CJ. You know, another thing I heard or I did read about it was uh, Casanova. They said that Casanova lost his vegetation right with his girlfriend after she posted a video of Cass doing a Junebug challenge. You know, that was popular on TikTok and things like that. And it's kind of sad because, you know, that man is in that cell and it's COVID going on. And, you know, that, that shit, it, it, they're trying to kill this man's joy. They're trying to kill who he really is. And that kind of ties into uh, something that happened this week. It was in St. Louis, right? So in St. Louis, a wing of the jail was shut down. Basically, these guys set the shit on fire. They bust up windows. They, like, held the shit fucking hostage. And one of the guards got hurt. It, and it happened because a fight with an inmate and a guard. And, and they were like, you know what? We're in this situation together. And we might as well stick together. And they pretty much, you know, had the shit up hostage. And I guess, you know, the jail said that it was something wrong with the locks. Like, the locks in the prison was fucked up. But they haven't got around to fixing it. So these guys, like, bust out. And you, you should see the pictures. They got, like fucking food trays with messages on the food trays and they hanging out the window and shit sticking up gang signs like the shit is fucking crazy but i understand where they coming from you know it's covid the restriction they have when it comes to visitation and things like that is it, it, it's like it fucks with your mental health man you you sit in there you stuck in the cell and you seeing the same people you eating shit and poison god knows what's in that fucking food and you have to sit there and you have to be there. And I guess, yeah, you're right. It's their, that's their fault that they're there. But at the same time, these people are human. And I get both sides of the fence. But you got to treat them right. And if you are a fucking CEO, and I don't know the story, but sometimes CEO, they they treat the guys upstate or wherever they at, they treat them kind of greasy, man. They, they really do. Such as charging them for... You know, hey, yo, I got a, I got a phone card right here. Some, some weird shit or whatever. I know everything is through JPay now, but I just think that it's just so fucked up that, you know, inmates are treated bad. You know, they're not allowed to see their family because of COVID, which is true, right? You want to keep the COVID. You want to keep that shit contained. But at the same time, you know, you got to cut these guys some slack. Like, you know, it's just the time we're living in is so progressive and it's so fast and we're moving so fast as a people. That lady could be his mental, you know, his mental health or to get him through those tough times that he's dealing with. And I think that the jail and, and the rules should really be lax to that because at the end of the day, okay, yeah. Can you say he's fucked up or can you say he, he done things or yes, is he going through the court system, you know, to fight for his freedom, yes. But that doesn't mean that he's less than a person. And that doesn't mean that he can't have things that can help him get through those times. Because it's turbulent. You know what I'm saying? Um, Brent Fires, he dropped a new EP um, under a drop link. He put it on his Twitter and he put it under Do Not Listen. And it's three new songs. I thought that was pretty dope by him. The, uh, the actual... The actual EP, it was all right. I had a, I had, okay, I'm a, I'm not going to lie. I had one song that I actually like on the EP and it's called Price of Fame. The rest of the songs were, eh, it was okay. It was lukewarm, but Price of Fame is what I really liked the most. Probably what I listened to more than one time. The rest of them, I 
I couldn't even really get through him because it just wasn't my flavor. Maybe his big fans could be into it, but the shit was just trash to me. It was Barsuda. So no wonder he said, do not listen. I should have listened to him and I should have never fucking listened. But everything else was, I thought I thought the third song, uh, Price of Fame, I thought that was pretty good. You know what I'm saying? Um, this week, Cardi dropped, Conway dropped, Freddie Gibbs dropped. A couple of people, they dropped a lot of singles this week, man. It dropped on Friday. So after I dropped the episode, they dropped their music the next day. Just like this Friday is going to be new music dropping too. Uh, such as Jay-Z and Nipsey. They're going to drop. They got a single dropping uh, for the soundtrack for the Fred Hampton movie, which is coming out soon. So I'm going to check that out too. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to have to get HBO Max to check that shit out. Because at first I was like, man, I'm paying for all these subscriptions. I can't believe this shit. But I'm going to get HBO Max because HBO Max is getting all the movies that are out in movie theaters. And I just look at it like this, like, fuck, where I'm at is still shut down type shit. It's nothing really open. So I might as well get with the program, get with HBO Max. So that's that's going to be a plus for me. And I'm going to get to see that movie, uh, the Fred Hampton movie, so I can learn more about Fred Hampton and things like that. Even though I could read about it, but I really want to see that that cinematic, you know, outlook on it you know what i'm saying i really want to really get into it and really get deep into it and see from other people's point of view especially when you looking from a director or a, a screenwriter's point of view you know they pick out certain things that that are highlighted to them that are special to them and i kind of really want to see that so i'm i am going to get hbo max i am going to check that out i will tell y'all about it um i just thought that was dope that they dropping a new uh Single together, Hove and Nip. Another thing about Nip, it was a rumor that came out this fucking morning, right? About Lauren London and her, I guess, finding a new person and she getting she got pregnant by somebody. And then it came out that it wasn't facts. So it was and it kind of it's kind of fucked up because she was releasing, she was basically telling her, all her fans that Hov and Nip got a new song and she was happy about it. And then people just had this fucking terrible fucking rumor. And it just lets you know that people would do anything for viral moments. You know, whether it's putting gorilla glue in your fucking hair, whether it's putting gorilla glue on your fucking pussy, whatever it is. People would do anything for viral fucking moments. So I just thought that that was real interesting that people could just wake up in the morning and just put out a false fucking story like that. And these blog sites that want to be like Shade Room and stuff like that, they fucking leech onto that shit like fucking chlamydia and just ride it to fucking death. I'm telling you, it it, it is fucking crazy how much people put out bad things and how much negative things that are out there in the world. And it just keeps on getting fueled. It fuels the ego of whoever putting the negative things out because they seeing those retweets, they seeing those shares, they seeing those views, and it, it's just an ever ending fucking cesspool of bullshit. And I I just look at it from that. So I, man, pray for Lauren London, man, as she get through this hard time. Um, I saw Twitter they was going at the whole Fred Hampton. My boy, he sent me a uh, he sent me a few clips of it. And I got on Twitter myself, you know, they were calling out the soundtrack and things like that. You know, it was a time and it was funny because I was watching Juice last week and the Juice soundtrack is probably the best. Juice with Tupac, you know, Omar Epps. That's probably was the best fucking soundtrack ever. You back in the day, you knew a movie was going to be hot based on the fucking soundtrack. And now, you know. 
people a soundtrack come out, it's like a trending fucking topic and people have something to say. And I think that shit is just crazy because it's like, damn, why can't fucking music come out that you you haven't even heard the fucking songs. All you seeing is who on the songs and you got a fucking negative thing to say. And I guess that's just how it goes, whether it's something positive being said or something negative being said. That's just the way shit is. You know what I'm saying? So I just thought that that was pretty scandalous. Another movie I saw was uh, Malcolm and Marie with John David Washington and Zendaya. Oh, my God. So I was already seeing on uh, Facebook that people were saying that the movie was trash, right? People were saying, yo, this movie was trash. I hated it. If I wanted to argue with my girl, I would have just turned off the movie and then called her. Shit like that. I was seeing all types of people saying that. So my boy Mac, right? You know, I love Mac, man. He invited me to his uh, Thanksgiving and things like that. So I always will respect Mac because he called and he thought about me on that day, man. That's that's so much love for me to him. I didn't go, but I always will respect Mac, you know. So he called me. Uh, no, so he hit me up. Sorry. So, so Mac, so he hit me up and he was like, yo, you got to watch, you know, Malcolm and Marie, right? So when it comes to being movies, right, I cannot know what happened in the movie. All you got to do is just tell me to watch the movie and that's it. Because when I, if I hear your opinion on it, my mind is now tainted. I like my mind to be a fucking blank canvas and I like the movie. I like the cinematic experience to come on me. And then basically I understand where the movie is at. I understand the heat of the movie. Now, this movie was hard for me to watch because the internet had fucked that up for me. Thank you to the internet. So I'm watching the movie, right? Maybe I'm like an hour in. I fucking fall asleep. I wake up. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. I don't even remember that how I even laid down. I was sitting up in a chair. Next thing you know, I'm fucking on my bed and shit. So I wake up and I'm like, fuck. I fucking fucked up on this movie. So I put the movie back on, right? I watched maybe 30 more minutes of it. So I'm probably, I'm at like probably 30 minute mark. I think I'm at an hour. So I'm really at 30 minutes. I watched like 30 minutes of this movie. So it's probably like from 5.05, maybe, yeah, I'm an early bird, to probably like 5.30, right? I'm watching a movie. Somehow, I passed the fuck out again. Crazy. Wake back up, it is six, like going on seven, basically. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I didn't wake up on time. I didn't feed my dog on time. This shit is fucking crazy, right? So I put back on the movie back from where it was at. I was like, fuck, I'm never going to finish this movie. The movie finally gets done, right? But throughout the whole movie, you know, I have a opinion on it. So I'm glad I didn't finish the fucking movie the first night because social media has fucked up my head. I were I was more concerned on... The foreign dialogue and feeling between Malcolm and Marie. I was not torn in on the actual experience of the movie and what the movie was about. I was just more like, okay, they're arguing. Oh, that was disrespectful. Oh, shit. Well, I'm with John David now. Oh, no, no, not. He said that he fucked this bitch and this bitch. I'm I'm with Zendaya now. Oh, shit, this bitch um, grabbed the fucking knife. I'm with John David now. It was like I was flipping and flopping, right? 
And I didn't understand what the movie was really about until the next morning when I watched it. The movie wasn't about a fucking argument. The movie was about him being a creator and how him being a creator put stress on the relationship. And I noticed because I'm a creator myself, right? I'm a writer and I have written things. And a lot of the points in the movie that, you know, she said, it kind of resonated with me because, you know, she said that, you know, when he, when she talks about him writing draft after draft and she has to read that shit, well, that's me. You know, when I'm writing a project or when I'm on a project, I'm writing several drafts of something and you're trying to get it right. And when she talked about, you know, how he used her to pull like as inspiration. And that's true. As writers, we use the world to pull from, we, we pull information from the world. That's what we do as writers. So I, I, you know, I kind of, it kind of hit my core because I think about myself and I think about the relationships I've been in and how some relationships I ruined in the past or some relationships that the girl ruined because she couldn't understand my vision or how if you are an artist or you are a, a high-performing person, you can put sh- constraints on the relationship from actually growing because you're worried about the actual art that you're creating and the person is worrying about being in the relationship. So you can steal from the person because you need, because they're plugged into a source and you need that energy from them to keep you going. But at the same time, your art is giving you life. Your art is giving you a sense of direction and purpose in life. And that person is looking for you to have that purpose for them. And, but you're following the art and then they following you. And it's this ever ending circle. So that movie wasn't about the actual arguing. It wasn't about him and her being unhappy with each other. The movie was about how art can impact the relationship. How following your dreams can impact a relationship. What can it do? How can it, it, how can it tear people apart? You know what I'm saying? How can you use, and even her, you know, she had issues too. And he was there for her. But what he was there for her for, maybe it was for selfish reasons. And sometimes you have to be there for people unconditionally. You can't just be there for people because they're plugged into an energy and you need their energy. Sometimes you got to let motherfuckers go. And I felt like, you know, he could have, I felt like he could have helped her to a point where she got better and then let her go. You know, so I thought that that was an interesting movie and um, I look forward to seeing great things for John David Washington. I don't know about Zendaya. I don't know. But John David, man, you know what's up, dogs. Like, you put it down and you are your father's child. I'm telling you right now, it, it, it is so crazy how talented John David is, man. I I don't know. I had first saw him in The Black Klansman. And I've just been a fan ever since because, you know, he just puts on and he's just a brilliant performer. And I just thought it was a it was a deep movie. I mean, the movie was black and white and I could see how people could write it off. I could see how it could be boring. You know, for me, being a, a film guy as I am, I'm looking at it like this. 
holy shit, it's one location. This movie had to be cheap. I looked it up. It was $2.5 million. And I think... It it was produced by both, you know, John David. He was part. He was a part producer in it. Zendaya was a part producer in it. Uh, Kit Cuddy was executive producer. Um, yeah, I, I saw all these names as producers. So I'm like, holy shit! They got the money together. You know, between the actors, there was only two actors, only two casts, and basically you spending your money on film and fucking cameras. And basically that, and just people, you you paint it on budget. So whoever shows up, whoever holds in the grip, things like that, you know, PAs, whatever the case may be, that's who you're paying. So that's who that, that's where all that money went towards. The money that they made from it, I'm sure Netflix gave them money, and it probably covered that cost, and they got it out of that. But as for them, $2.5 million, and all of them putting that money towards it as producers and funding their own film... It was almost like an indie. It was almost like a good indie. I don't know. I really enjoyed the movie, man. Uh, Shouts out to John David Washington and Zendaya, man. They did a great job. So if you haven't saw the movie, make sure y'all check that out. Um, Another thing I wanted to say, I wanted to bring up. So from the news tip, a lot of things that's been going on in the news. A lot of crazy fucking shit. So Anthony Sowell, he was a Cleveland serial killer known as the Cleveland Strangler. He has died in his cell from a terminal illness at the age of 61. Yeah, in 2009, two bodies were discovered in his house. And when the police, you know, went through it, they ended up finding 11 fucking bodies. And the whole time, the neighborhood smelled like like shit, right? They didn't understand where that smell came from. They thought it came from, like, a meat market or some shit like that. And the whole time, it came from this guy's house. So, you know, a lot of the family members were saying, like, you know, justice was served and things like that, you know, and that God don't like ugly. You know, they, they're they really, like, you know, religious. It, it, it's really fucked up, but, you know, he's dead. So, you know, you get you reap what you sow in this world, and I'll leave it as that. Also, the video of uh, Bashir Gray, he's the guy from Empire. He was, like, the uh, Hakeem, I guess, in Empire. Police released a video of him, you know, after the situation that happened last year in July with him and his girlfriend and how he beat his girlfriend up. And basically in the video, it's a fucking two hour long interrogation. And I watched some of it and the whole time he's fucking lying. Like he's saying that, you know, maybe she got beat by this other guy. And then the police asked the girlfriend who's the other guy. And the girlfriend basically said like, oh, that's the name that he used for his Uber Eats. That's like his fake fucking name. So I I thought that that was very strange seeing him. You know, it brings me, you know, it makes me think that, you know, a lot of things that happen when actors lose jobs, you know what I'm saying? Like because of fucking Jesse Smollett or whatever, Empire was never the same, and that was oh, it was it for Empire. But like stars like him, and not he's not even a star, but an actor like him. You know what position does that put him in? Where this show made him, and it's like a it's a steady income. You know how that can you know dwell on your mental health? I don't know, but you know it makes me question that. It makes me think about that because you know seeing that situation where. He's fucking lying to the police about some fake fucking guy he's making up in his mind. I'm like, holy shit, man. This dude's a fucking path for real, man. It, it, it is crazy when you just see the video. Um, I did read 
so you know, a lot of things was bubbling, you know, from the Wall Street thing. Everybody's still talking about it right now. The rave is uh, marijuana stocks. So that's what's popular right now. That is the uh, IPO for the stock that everyone's looking into because the whole Wall Street bets, you know, been pumping that stock and it kind of rocket up today. I mean, it was like $1 yesterday and today it's like $3. So you know, everybody's pumping that up because, you know, that's that's basically, you know, uh, Wall Street Bets is basically pumping and dumping different stocks. Um, I did see it at one dollar and I thought about getting it, but I was like, you know what? It's maybe it's too much. I just thought it was too much for a real pump and dump, but I didn't think it was going to go up to three dollars. So, well, congratulations to them or whatever. So make sure you all look into the marijuana stocks on another front on the stock. Tesla had put $1.5 billion into Bitcoin. But however, Tesla's stock, real stock, the real Tesla, has been stagnant. So usually Tesla goes up, 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 or down, down. It like fluctuate, you know what I'm saying? But recently it's been real stagnant since that $1.5 billion, you know, investment into Bitcoin. Now companies, you know, traditionally do that. Like, I don't know. But this investment, do it makes me think that, you know, like I said last week when we talked about the future of currency and things like that, you know, is Bitcoin the true, you know, future of currency? Can people win? Like, will Bitcoin be worth a million dollars a share one day? I don't fucking know. But, you know, if money goes away and Bitcoin is true money and, you know, there's only a certain limit you know, there's only a limit to a certain amount of Bitcoin that exists for purchase. Who knows what Bitcoin could be worth? I mean, Elon Musk putting $1.5 in Bitcoin, buying that up. I mean, fuck. He must know something that we don't know. Um, On another tip with Robinhood, a family of a 20-year-old is suing Robinhood for wrongful death. Right. It's a wrongful death suit after the guy, um, he committed suicide by walking in front of a train. And this happens when he thought that he lost seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Right. So it's close to a million dollars. And basically this kid, you know, I'm not sure what happened, whether it was an option or or, you know, a car or put. I'm not sure what he did, but basically he lost. He thought he lost seven hundred and fifty thousand because of the buying power. But he emailed Robinhood, and I guess nobody didn't respond back to him. So probably the next day, he wrote a note to his parents, like basically saying, like he's doing this for them. And he walks in front of a fucking train, and that same day or the next, the exact next day, Robinhood fucking emails the kid back. Saying that, oh, yeah, it was basically a mistake. We sorry. You know, whatever the case may be, you don't owe anything. Everything is good. We readjusted everything. You're good. But the kid is fucking dead. So now his family is suing Robin Hood and the news reports got out about that. I thought that was really interesting. Um, Yeah, man. I It goes back to last week with the whole uh, Kevin O'Leary uh, clip. When they were talking about, you know, kids losing money and whether it's right or wrong. And that's one of the situations where, you know, I feel like Robin Hood can, you know, be a little tougher when it comes to. I believe it should be levels to the game 
when it comes to buying and certain investments. Like, yes, it should be anybody should be able to buy a stock, right? A stock you can't you cannot lose really in the, in the stock. Yes, you could lose a lot of money, but unless you have a lot of money, you can't really lose a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? You you, you got to spend money to make money. You got to spend money to lose money. So if you didn't really buy a lot of stocks, you pretty much safe. It's a safe investment. But when you start messing with the whole, you know, puts and calls and things like that, it can get tricky because I don't know what actually happened with him and his situation, you know, but it, it just sucks that he took his life and, you know, he felt like, you know, it was no way out. And I just wish somebody would have told him that, you know, if that was the case, maybe if you owe that much money, file for bankruptcy. Simple as that. Um, that's I, that's what I was always taught. I, I always saw people do it. I saw 50 Cent do it. File for fucking bankruptcy. It is what it is. Speaking of the whole Elon Musk thing. So last week, you know, I made a statement about Jeff Bezos and how he was stepping down from Amazon and what he was going to do, what he was going to work at. So right after I put that out, I ran across a, a news article from The Sun. And it said that Jeff Bezos could be running for president in 2024. I was like, fuck. I wish I would have read this shit before I posted, you know, before I said that he was going to do all of that other stuff, which he is doing. Because if you know Jeff Bezos, he do own the Washington Post. He do have his own, you know, space business going on. But I just look at it like this, man. He's running for president. Who knows what could come? Maybe he runs Democrat, I guess. But how is that different from Trump? I, You know what I mean? Like, this proves us electing Joe Biden either proved that, you know, he was the next best thing or that we feel comfortable with the establishment. We feel comfortable with people, you know, telling us what to do and leading us into darkness. We feel comfortable. I mean, look at it. We deep into February, right? We in the middle of February, I guess. And we are not sure when people are going to get their stimulus checks. That wouldn't have happened if Trump was president. People will be begging Trump every single day. It will be a conversation every single day at a press conference and everything about some damn stimulus check. Here's Joe. Nobody says anything. I think that's the most annoying thing when it comes to Joe Biden and the shit that he does is that nobody really say anything. For instance, Joe Biden is opening up an overflow in Texas for undocumented children due to COVID. This faculty could house 700 children and it couldn't expand. Yet, nobody say anything. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody. And here's the thing. That was one of the discussions, right? When it came to the actual presidential debate, it was who built the cages, Joe? Who built the cages? But yet, nobody say anything. Because he's not Trump. If it's not Trump, because Trump ran the fucking media airways. Now you see media, they're not saying shit. Unless they're talking about the impeachment, they're not saying shit about Joe. They're not even talking about politics anymore. It is just, it is just that crazy. They're talking about allegations now. They're not even talking about things that are going on in Washington. For four years, I have seen them parade around. I have seen them do sneak disses on Trump, things like that, paint him in the bad picture, and they have profited off of that. You don't think those media companies, you don't think Fox News have profited off of, you know, defending Trump? You don't think CNN has profited off of being anti-Trump because most of the country, I guess, 
also in the political climate was anti-Trump. You don't think CNN profited off of that? You don't think Trevor Noah has became a bigger star since Trump became president? You don't think those guys have, you know, you don't think Hannity has became a class act in fucking Fox? You don't think that's true? That is true. I mean, the media is, you know, they have a hidden agenda and they don't play fair. They don't actually state the news or whatever without having a political fucking tug of war, you know, on who's right and who's wrong. I mean, they, they don't really care who's right or what's wrong. As long as the person could sell the fucking, the, sell the fucking subscription, as long as people tune in, as long as it's clickbait, that is okay to them. And that's just how I look at it, man. It, it is just that simple. I mean... Joe Biden is now opening up cages for more children to be stored at comfortable. Aren't they supposed to be given opportunity to go back out into the world or whatever and become American citizens? Or aren't you supposed to be expediting them so they could go back home to their home country? But no, you have enough time to permit overflowing of fucking, you know, faculties and things like that. Opening up faculties like you did when Obama was fucking president. I mean, it's bad enough that all the executive orders you have, you know, put in were the same executive orders from 2016 when Obama was president. It's bad enough you've done that. It's bad enough that you haven't really did anything you were you said you were going to do. And then people were making excuses for you because they said, well, it's too early. You know, he's trying to wait. Nah, man, if he really wanted to do it, he can do it. And that's one thing that Trump showed us. Trump showed us, right, for those for his fan base, for those QAnon, for those people, those those crazy people, he showed that if he wanted to make it happen for them, he can't. So why Biden can't make it happen for us? As a, at least as long as if it's even if it's only 4 years, why Biden can't make it happen for us? It's just really fucked up. It just really don't sound right. It don't sit right with me. And you know, when I think about that number 700, let's, let's look at fucking France. France so far have 700 people, right? Frontline immigrant workers in France right now, they're in their final stages of getting citizenships. Frontline workers. We're talking about nurses. We're talking about people who are fucking, you know, janitors, things like that. 700. There's 2,890 people Total that's requesting for it, but as of right now, 700 frontline workers are getting citizenship. So let's look at the numbers in France 2.5 million confirmed cases in France, 62,000 deaths a total in France. And they're taking care of those undocumented people. So, what are the plans of putting our undocumented people to work? What are our plans to making them essential people? So that way they can earn their right to have the American dream. Huh, Joe? It's just really fucked up. You know, when I, when I look at a situation like that, how can I fucking trust you? How can I trust you? How are you different from Trump? You're not different from Trump. You just say nigga underneath your breath. It's like we have to, we have to get to a place where we're doing things because it makes sense. We can't be doing things because it's symbolic. We can't be doing things because we like the way it sounds. Not in this time period. Shit is really real. And I don't think symbolism, you know, equate a certain essential freedom that you get from actually living. No, it doesn't. No, you know what gives me freedom? When I'm able to provide for my family, where I'm able to be educated, where I'm able to walk into a college and get a professor job, where I'm able to do things for me, when I'm able, when I, when I don't have to feel like I have to do things for a 
paycheck where I don't have to feel like I got to lose a fucking paycheck. That's what makes me really feel secure in this country. Everything else is all bullshit. You know what I'm saying? So um, on a podcast tip, I was when I look at that and I listen to that, I think about uh, Kurt Franklin. Right. And Kurt Franklin has said this uh, about Tom Brady. He said you know, because, you know, they asked whether, you know, do you see Tom Brady stopping or whatever the case may be? And he said, we are the owners of none and the manager of everything. I thought that shit was so profound. We are the owners of none and the managers of everything. Tom Brady does not own his body. He manages it. You know what I'm saying? If you're a religious person, he's saying that God owns Tom Brady's body. And... As long as God is in control, Tom Brady could go on for however long he wants to. And I thought that shit was profound, man. So, uh, shouts out to Kurt Franklin, man. He got him a new podcast. It's called Good Words with Kurt Franklin. And, you know, his first guest is Pharrell. I was looking on there on Apple Podcasts today. So, uh, go tune into that if you want. If it's a good spiritual uh, podcast or whatever the case may be. You know, Kurt Franklin has always been an outspoken guy. He has always had a, you know, a story, whether it's him going through a adoption and things like that. Kurt, Kurt Franklin has always been an amazing person. And I just remember when the pandemic was going down and he had went on. I think he went on the Breakfast Club and he was saying how it was during the uh, George Floyd. And he was just, you know, he was saying how his he won his white brothers and sisters, uh, preachers, you know, to stand in line with him and actually, you know, call for change in their churches, too. And I just thought that shit was so profound how, you know, it is a difference in black church and, and white churches. It is a difference. But it's just the fact that he wanted, you know, he wanted their hand in helping him. And, and, and he was not only just calling them out, but saying, like, look, listen, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. So. You know, I need your help. And I, and I just thought that was just so profound, man. So, shouts out to Kurt Franklin. Make sure y'all go check out his podcast. Um, on another tip about podcasts, Joe Budden is moving to Patreon. Um, He has three levels to subscribe to. I had checked it out. And I don't know. I don't know. And based on the YouTube comments and things like that, I'm not sure if this is the end of Joe. I'm not sure if Joe goes on and he... Continue to do great things like he did when he was at Spotify and, you know, he was exclusive to Spotify. I'm not sure if it's the same way, but from how I'm looking at it now, Joe Budden going to Spotify could be a damaging thing to his, you know, legacy. Because at the same time, when he was on Spotify, he was still able to post videos on YouTube. You just could get it on other podcast platforms. So... You know, with this being said, I, I don't know how you're going to go from people being used to watching you twice a week. Like, people don't really want to see you three times a week. I'm just, I'm just saying. People don't want to live with you three or four times a week or two more episodes extra a month. People are not, unless they're real avid fans like that. I don't, I just think three times a week is, is, is really rough and it's obsessive and it's, it could be just too much for the audience. I don't know. I thought about having an episode, you know, twice a week. And I'm just like, nah, man, because it's a lot that goes into me putting on this episode. And I, I just saw, you know, I get where he's coming at. You know, he got four or five. Like, he has a whole team of people. 
And they all rely on that podcast. You can just tell whether it's Rory or it's uh, Mal. If you didn't know, Mal is actually the brother of Kareem Biggs, who uh, co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Kind of crazy. I found that out. But um, Mal and Savon Parks, if I could just remember off the top of my head, and you got a couple of other people that, you know, deal with the background stuff and help produce the content for the podcast. And I just think, like, Damn, you're you are paying all of these people. You it's it's only so much you can make off the whole YouTube thing, right? Especially when you're not like a uh a Jake Paul or you're not really in where you, you're paying for yourself. I just look at somebody like uh Andrew Schultz, right? So Andrew Schultz has a Patreon too, where he drops one episode and then he drops another episode on Patreon and gets like a little preview on that Friday of that episode. He tells people, hey. You know, tune in to the Patreon or whatever the case may be. And the Patreon probably make like 90000 a month. I, I don't know. I'm just, I haven't looked at it in a long time. So, you know, and he was a top five podcast on Patreon. But when I look at uh, Joe's situation, bro, people are used to you. Like, you, you drop already at two podcasts a month. Now, if you went towards uh, a schedule, you're like, it's kind of like the same like Andrew, like I'm going to still drop my second podcast, but you got to pay to play or pay to listen to it. People wouldn't want that because you're building up that mystery. But when I look at uh, a situation with Joe is doing, I'm just thinking in my mind, like it's good for you, Joe, but is it good for your team? You know, will people go to Patreon or are you doing this for selfish reasons? You know, and he did say that he got uh, the title head of creator equity. I thought that was a bullshit title. I don't know what fucking title he think he's... I don't know what that is. I think that was a bullshit title. You know, these companies, especially in corporate, you can make up a title for anything. So I don't I don't know. I Maybe I'm... I guess, you know, I'm going to make up a title for this podcast. I'm fucking, you know, head of speaking. I guess. I don't fucking know. So when it comes to companies like that, they'll give you a title. I just find it... It, it makes me calling the question... His whole beef with Charlemagne. Like, you know, you called him out when he signed with iHeart as the 50% owner of the Black Effect Network. And you was poking jabs at it. You had called uh, Nori on it and Noriega. And he basically asked Nori, like, you know, how much is the deal and things like that. And it was really bitchy and catty between them. And now you're doing the same with Patreon. Because at the end of the day, if you only a podcaster and you only a content creator, you got to fucking make money. You got to make money somehow. Like right now, right? I'm not making money off this podcast, right? So I rely off people, you know, coming and building up the audience and things like that. But when it comes down to it, I know once I go to YouTube, which I will be going to YouTube soon and things like that, a lot of the features and a lot of the things that we talk about on here is not going to be the same like, it's not going to be crossed over once we go, and not, well, I not the content, not the actual, uh, not the actual words, but the, the music and things like that. You can't play that on YouTube due to copyright and things like that. So, a lot of that is going to change. It's going to be a lot of changes if I want to monetize or whatever the case may be. But right now, I, I'm not, I'm not fueled by monetization. I'm, I, I don't, I don't want to chase viral moments you know to feel special or to feel like i'm wanted i want to put out things that i I want to put out good things i want to talk about fucking joe biden and how he's a fucking hypocrite i want to talk about 
you know, podcasters that are coming out and people, how people are creating them. And maybe it's a podcast for you that you like. I want to talk about those things. I want to talk about building a team and, and, and having equity when it comes to yourself and, and gathering your own ideas so you could be, you could have your own IP and things like that. That's what I want to create. You know what I mean? I want to, I want to have a place where people could be who they are and they can, they can come on the podcast if they want to and talk about shit that they're doing and talk about shit that how how hard it is or how easy it is of them being a creator i want to talk about that i want to talk about what are ways that we can become better and 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 free thinkers be free thinkers so yes when it comes down to it and me being monetized i feel like that's i feel like once you start doing that you have an end goal and you and you chasing something. Yes, do we want to... I mean, does it cost me money to produce and put on this podcast? Yes, it costs me money. But right now, I'm not really into trying to make money off of it. Right now, I'm just trying to grow, become a better speaker, become a better person and try different things. Every podcast, I'm trying something new. I'm trying a sound effect. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying a different format. Like last week was a story format. I'm, I'm always trying something new. I'm always digging deep and going into my creative bag to see what it is, see how it is going to come out, see if it comes out at all. Some things I say on here, it's like I think it's going to be funny. And this shit falls flat. I don't know. I don't fucking know because why? I'm new to this. I'm I'm really trying to grab my own and and really go into my own way. And when that time comes, when I want to throw an ad in there or I want to apply for an ad, I want that shit to be fucking organic. You know, Malcolm and Marie, John David, he talked about that point about how people are so obsessed with what's authentic instead of being obsessed with the actual purpose of the art. You know, people want things that are real so much. And I think that's why YouTube has went, you know, to the, to the moon and, and that's why SNL have went to the grave and people don't want to watch fucking scripted, you know, shit. People rather watch funny TikTok videos because we are in a culture where we are obsessed with what is authentic. You know what I'm saying? And, and what is, and what is real? We, we are obsessed with the real and sometimes we overdo the real thing to take us to viral moments. So, you know, I, I don't know if, me doing a podcast and me doing a Patreon and things like that, I still don't know. I just, I'm just grateful for every listener that I get. And I'm just grateful for every person that, you know, passed me on to someone else. And they say, yo, listen to this guy. You know, he, he's probably for you. Some things I say, it might not be for you, but all I know is as long as I be honest and as long as I be who I am, I feel like it could guide me through and it could take me to places that me kissing dick can't, you know? And um, I don't know. I, I just came to a point where you thinking is podcast an extension of you or do you need it for your brand? I don't know. I see so many people, you know, they say, oh, shit. You know, I see this person doing a podcast, so I'm going to do a podcast. And then it falls flat because they're not creating things from their heart. They're not creating things they are interested in. I'm not interested in in Gorilla Glue. I'm not interested in viral moments for people. So I'm not going to fucking talk about it. But I'm going to talk about things that really are interesting. I'm going to talk to the fact that people are in prison right now 
They feel like they have to fucking, you know, set the fucking bitch on fire because they're not getting the right type of um, PPEs to survive and things like that. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about those frontline workers in fucking um, France because guess what? In France, they go through their own fucking journey. You got people standing outside of the fucking Eiffel Tower selling fucking keychains and shit because they, they have to hustle. That's their way of hustling. They come from fucking Senegal and places like that and they come there and... They're on, they are on scavenger fucking mode, you know, and that's nothing against people in France, but I understand that they have to, they have to survive. There are people all over the world that have to survive and I've seen it. I've been through the world. I have seen things and I have looked at it from that point of view. So no, when I want to put out things, I want to put out it from the core and I have to be strategic when it comes to me, you know, monetizing myself and, and everybody, every innovator is going to come to that point where they have to think. Do I monetize? But when I look at a person who is new and they only have three or four followers and they're already asking for monetization, I just look at them and I just stare at them deep in their soul. And I just say, bitch, you ain't shit. What are we creating, man? And not even just podcasting, but anything that you're doing, whether it's like Mr. Telefero on Facebook or you're doing a Twitter thing like Justin LeBoy or you on Instagram. I, I it, we have to be honest when it comes to the content that we put in out and the things, but you got to do it. If that's what you want to do, that's what you do. Not everybody is creators. Some people are just watchers, you know, like I told y'all how when I got in the podcast, I watched hundreds and hours, not just watching, just listening to thousands of hours of podcasts. And I was a watcher. I was learning how to do it. Not only just learning because I really enjoyed it. I really enjoy listening to other people talk about things that they are into, spreading good information. You know, sometimes you just can't get up and just say, well, I'm going to do this. Eh, sometimes you got to be more strategic. Sometimes you got to sometimes you got to be a student to the game first. And once you become a student, then you can get on your own feet and then you can start creating and then you can start putting out things that actually matter to you. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I got for that whole Joe Bunnan thing. I don't know if he's making the right move by moving to Patreon. I don't know if he's doing it for his own selfish reason. I don't know. I don't know if he's regretting the fact that he walked away from, you know, millions of dollars away from Spotify. I don't know when he could have been set. I know that in the black community right now, a sense of ownership is everything. It's been pushed down our throat, not only from black Twitter, but just from just people in general. You know, you... You, you get on these forums or you get on these comments and you talk about, oh, my God, he's so stupid for selling his masters. But when you put yourself in that situation, when somebody's offering you three million dollars in cash and you saying, what you going to say? You're going to say no. And in their mind, they're going to think, oh, all I got to do is put out songs like I've been doing from my heart and I don't have to struggle. Well, yeah, I'm going to sell my masters. You know what I'm saying? Not that it's right, but. That's how that that is how music has been going on since the beginning of the time is people giving up their masters and publishing and things like that. And when you get to a certain standpoint, you buy the shit back. But we have to look at whether we shouldn't look at it as a bad thing that a person is selling their masters. We need to look at the business practice of the person who actually has the masters. We need to look at whether they have the best that artist's best interest at heart. And that should be called into question. So no, I I I don't I kind of don't understand why Joe I get why Joe kept his podcast, right? He's looking like, yo, if you're not going to give me what I want, fuck you, I'm out. But I think he played his hand wrong because you got mouths to feed. You know what I'm saying? Y'all y'all performing in Park's fucking living room. 
Y'all people got mouths to feed. So I don't know. Are you going to give them that money or whatever case may be? I don't know how much he asked from Spotify. And I don't know how much Spotify gave him. I'm sure if you look it up, you could find out. But I'm I'm pretty sure that he would have been set if he would have just sold his IP. And not that it's wrong or right. It's not up to me. I know I'm not selling my IP. I know that I rather, as you can see, I'm I'm seven episodes in. I have not put on an ad or anything because I, I don't want I want my thing to be real. You know what I'm saying? But as for somebody like him who is working with Cash App, who is doing all of these things when it comes to the actual uh, performance of podcasting, you know, taking tours. And, and this year he hasn't made no tour money because, you know, COVID and things like that. I mean, he, he's taking the L. So when it comes to a person like that, I mean, what can you do? I mean, what what can you? What's the real responsible reason? I mean, do you wait it out? Do you build something up? Like you're not Rogan. I know that when Rogan went to Spotify, Joe got real jealous, and Joe wanted to really be a part of that and really wanted to get blessed like that because Joe Joe Rogan made a uh, hundred million plus off that Spotify deal. But when Joe Rogan signed that deal. Joe Budden was never the same. So, you know, you look at a situation like that, you don't know if it's right, you don't know if it's wrong, and that's kind of up to you. This week, Google had uh, said that they were adding algorithms, you know, to help promote more black business, and they did this for Black History Month. And I thought this was pretty cool, right? That the whole, you know, uh, them doing that, because since... Black History Month, I guess they said that they had an upsurge in people searching for black businesses and stuff like that. So why not make an algorithm to help them out and help those black businesses out, you know? And like I said, and I think they, they should do it. Shit, fuck it. Next month, do it for Irish people, I guess. And then a month after that, do it for whoever month it is, do it for them. You know what I'm saying? I just think that that's how you enhance diversity within... um. Not only in our country, but just in within the world itself, because then people will see that and people want to, you know, gravitate towards, you know, different businesses and different races, wherever you at. You know what I'm saying? So I think that that's pretty cool. And, you know, shouts out to Google for that. I also came across a story about a, a Utah school. Right. And this Utah school sent out, I guess parents were asking, can they opt out? Uh, Black History Month from teaching the kids Black History Month. So the principal sent out a letter basically saying, it's basically a, a form saying, hey, you know, you're, you can opt out of your student, you know, having Black History. And I guess the media or whatever caught on to, you know, him doing that. And basically he had to double back and pretty much cancel that, cancel Christmas on that. And I guess he was saying, you know, how... You know, Black History Month is going to continue and things like that. Like, I guess, you know, we're going to do this all together. And I kind of thought it was kind of funny because I'm like, damn, it took social media to drag you for you to change your mind on that. I just look at it like this, right? Black history is unique because one, black history is fucked up in schools, right? Flat out. It's fucked up in schools. And it's because... When black history is taught, it's taught in this weird, almost like a white person wrote it. Like it's it's a weird, it's a weird way. So it's not, it's not taught. So it's different. So when you look at, say if you look at 
a Jewish person, right? And a, a black person writes a story about the Holocaust. It's going to sound totally different if you're sitting down with Rabbi Cooper or somebody telling you about the fucking Holocaust or a survivor from that shit. It's going to sound totally different because they speak from a place of love. They speak from a place of like fairness and they speak from a place of experience, you know, and I think that in American culture, especially in American school system, that they don't teach actual history correctly. And, you know, he kind of had a point when he talked about like normally when we do teach black history is usually about slavery and things like that. And it's kind of fucked up that people are taught about their people as slaves and in an oppressive manner. And he's kind of right. It is fucked up. It's very fucked up that, you know, when you tell about history, you tell it from a perspective of black people being victimized. Right. No. No, it is fucked up when you talk about black history and you talk about it from a place of, you know, black people being oppressed. When you should be talking about it from a place of, you know, both point of views. White people from that time period oppressed it black people. And this is what they did. But in order for you to open up that conversation, you're really going to have to change the way we react to it. You're going to have to change the way people are having. And that's an uncomfortable conversation. I don't know whether that conversation should be had with kids, but if you're going to teach it, teach it right. You know, teach about those black revolutionary people that have, you know, added impact to this world that's outside of George Washington Carver. You know what I'm saying? Teach about all of those people who were just, you know, innovative and things like that. I mean, it took George Floyd to happen before half of the world really knew about um, Black Wall Street. People didn't know about Black Wall Street before George Floyd. It took a city in Minnesota to be engulfed in flames for people to say, wow, this happened before. It's kind of fucked up. You know what I'm saying? It's really fucked up when I think about it. So when it comes to a situation like that, you know, we always dealing with people trying to erase black history or not being honest about it. If you're going to teach about 1776, Teach about when the first slave got here too, you know what I mean, and that's and that's and that's been a big thing because people don't want to teach that because they say that that's kind of rewriting American history wrong. And I'm a person I love history, American history, world history, I love it all. But I just think that if you if you're gonna teach something, do it right, man. Teach about things that actually impacted our community and that actually you know the reason why things are the way they are. You know, teach about great people in that state. How about you have a state for for a week of school? Teach about black people in that state. How about that? Great people of black people that's in that state. So people can learn where they come from. Some people are related to those people. And they don't even know it, you know, because so many times uh, lineage get crossed and things like that. But teach about those people that's in that state. I don't know how to fix the education problem in our country. We have a big one. We, has, we have had education problems in our country since, you know, Years for years, whether it comes from standardized tests, no child left behind, things like that. So I don't know if it's a if that's going to fix anything. But I think that if it's going to be put into the curriculum, Utah, how about you sit down with the whole faculty and come up with a better way of doing it? Come up with a better way of making plans, kind of alter, not alter the history books, but you have Google for God's sake. Redesign the fucking curriculum. You know what I'm saying? 
call the superintendent and things like that and really redefine the curriculum and how we, you know, learn and, and, and really learn. I mean, the, the fact that the education system is so slow anyway, it's just a fucking disaster when I think about it. When you think about how many things that are going on in the world and, and how school is just so fucking left behind, you think about what can happen in a fucking year. Look how much shit that I talked about in this podcast that happened in this week. When you think about the education system that set out from the year before, I mean, they're slow. They're not keeping up with things that are going on. They're not really, you know, redefined. Yes, math is taught everywhere the same way. But, I mean, how are you making the next scientists why because the next scientist the next president they don't come they don't fucking come from public schools that's just what that's just really what it is they come from private schools they come from schools where they're not taught to remember they're taught to think and theory and and and, and, you know be great in that way they're not taught that they're not taught you know they when you look at it they're not coming from the military as enlisted and becoming some fucking president no they're coming in as an officer and they're being taught how to lead so they can have a fucking example, you know, what it is to lead packs of people into the into war zones and things like that. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. We just we just come from a time period in today's time where we're not taking the time out to really look at things. I mean, look at fucking Michigan GOP candidate. You know, it's this Nigerian guy. Right. And he said that if he's elected, that he wants Michigan to cancel fucking um, Black History Month. Can't you believe that shit? They, he wants Michigan to cancel Black History Month. His name is Austin Chain. I mean, people all around us wants us to cancel history and cancel who we are. And, and it's kind of fucked up because, you know, if you don't know who you are, you don't know where you're going. And that's just that simple. I mean, it's a cliche, you know, note, but it's the truth. Speaking of Black History Month, man, um, I wanted to talk about this part two of the Lost series. You know, last week we had a little thing about Alberta Jones. I thought that was a good story. This week I want to talk about Matthew Henson. Matthew Henson was born in Maryland shortly after the Civil War. He grew up poor and both of his parents died when he was a kid. Henson lived with his uncle in Washington, D.C., and then he left at the age of 11. He traveled by foot all the way up to Baltimore, which was 50 miles away. And in Baltimore, he was hoping that he'd get a job on a ship or whatever. I don't know who told this little boy about the ship, but he said he wanted to go to the ship, so he went. And he ended up getting a job as a cabin boy on a freight ship, right, that does, like, shipment of things, I guess, to different countries, And when he got this job, he ended up seeing the world, China, Europe, North Africa, and he learned how to read and write in the process. So during this time, a lot of black people didn't read or write, but he ended up learning how to do it. And he learned from a captain on the ship. And the captain was really, really liked him because, you know, back in those days, reading and writing wasn't mandatory. It was a privilege. So... I guess the captain felt like he was, you know, smart and he could learn. So he was like, you know what? I'll teach you fucking, I'll teach you how to read and write. So after six years of being out at sea, the captain dies, right? So Matthew was just crying. He's upset. He's like, yo, how could this happen? This dude has done so much for me. And he gave me alphabets and shit like that, man. He done everything for me. I can't believe he's gone. So... Henson, he went back to Washington, D.C., right? And he took a job 
as a store clerk in our first shop. So one day at the store, whatever, he met a Navy lieutenant named Robert uh, Perry and who was sell. I guess he was selling some pellets or some shit like that. And he kind of liked Matthew, like he liked his style, you know what I'm saying? Like Matthew was, you know, adventurous. He had been things. He had seen the world already. And this Navy lieutenant, you know, he's in the Navy. So I'm guessing he travels everywhere. He's like, yo, I kind of like this kid. Like, he knows what he's talking about. He's been everywhere. So I, I've been everywhere, too. He's been everywhere. I, I like this kid. I'm going to fuck with him. So the the Navy lieutenant gave him a job. So Perry, that's his name, gave him a job as an assistant on a upcoming, you know, survey trip to Nicaragua, right? And Henson, you know, he was basically missing it. It's been a while since he'd been out at sea, but he was like, yo, I'm going, I'm out. I'm going to go with, you know, I'm going to go with Perry and shit. So he became a permanent member of the crew. When Perry announced, you know, that he wanted to go to Greenland, and I think it was like around 1891, I guess, he he said, yo, I want to go to Greenland. Henson was hyped. So he was like, yo, I'm about to go on this journey with him. We're going to Greenland. So throughout the 1890s, Peary and his team, they will return to Greenland several times, you know, battling extreme weather, loss of team members and shit like that, starvation, you know, it was a lot of shit that was going on. It was a time, it was so crazy in this journey that they were forced to eat the dogs that were pulling their sleds. So Peary and Henson, you know, relationship grew out of that because, you know, it's me and you against the world type shit. So, of course, you know, their relationship is going to grow. By the time the 1900s came, Perry was like, you know what? I really want to go to the North Pole. So over the next several years, you know, Perry and he was always with Henson, at, you know, by his side. So they would both, you know, do it. And at this time, this passion kind of grew for Henson, too. So, you know, they would make attempt after attempt. And then it's just like everything was just like unsuccessful at this point. Due to the harshness of like the weather and shit like that to go to the North Pole. In 1908, they decided to make a final attempt because they were getting old. You know, Perry was 50, Henson was 40, you know what I'm saying? And the previous attempt had been hampered by difficult communication between the native Eskimos. So Henson, he had learned the language and he could talk to them. The only member of the team that could really talk back and forth with the Eskimos. And I guess Henson like gained their trust and confidence, right? Henson paved the way, you know, for this successful, like, expedition, I guess, to get to the North Pole. So, Henson left, right? And he actually got to the North Pole first. He got there before Perry. But it was Perry who had, you know, you know, he had trucked the last few miles to plant the American flag. So Perry really got the fame for it. You know, he was a white guy. He got the fame for it. So Perry seemed, you know, he seemed like he wasn't really fucking with Henson because Henson arrived there from them. And that's just a lesson for people because people like you, but they ain't going to like you when you're doing better than them. And that's just a simple, you know, that's just a simple way. They'll cheer you. They'll eat at your house. They'll do everything with you. But the moment... You are better than them or the moment you do something that's profound and that could take you to the next level, they'll never fuck with you. And that's just how people are. So Perry felt this way about Hanson. Like, yo, this black motherfucker really got here before me. Like, 
this is my dream, and he got to the North Pole before me. So, you know, they their relationship kind of, you know, got bad. And I guess when they returned back to the States or whatever, you know, they never talked again. So Commander uh, Perry, you know, he was celebrated when he got back to the States for his achievements. You know, he got a fucking, you know, uh, parade and everything. He was out there like fucking Tom Brady. If y'all didn't see that clip of Tom Brady getting off the boat, he was kind of like that. Like everybody was cheering for him. Like, yo, I can't believe Commander Perry did it. Whatever the case may be. And although, you know, his son had got there first, technically, he didn't get the same love. You know what I'm saying? So Henson ended up, you know, getting being poor and he ended up parking cars in New York. That's what happened to Henson. He ended up parking car. So fortunately, you know, friends lobbied on his behalf and Henson fortunes began to change. And he received a civil uh, service appointment by the president, uh, President Taft at the time. And the civil servant, you know, appointment pretty much made him live comfortable, you know, as he getting old age and things like that. So he's not struggling. And he published an autobiography in 1912. And this autobiography, you know, it made Henson role in the North Pole expedition more widely known. So before then, nobody didn't really know about it because, of course, Perry was like, fuck this dude. I did it. You know, whatever the case may be. And nobody knew that actually it was Henson who got to the North Pole first. So, you know, after this, you know, after he released his book, he received a Congressional Medal in 1944 and a Presidential Citation in 1950. Uh, by the time he died in 1955, Matthew Henson was recognized as a co-founder of the North Pole. So that's my guy for the uh, for the Lost series. It's Matthew Henson. He did a great job, and you know I just wanted people to know his story and things like that. I hope everybody was well, man. Putting on this podcast, it's just been a joy of mine. Getting together the topics, things like that, things I wanted to talk about. It's just been such a great, great day. I was listening to uh, Blonde by Frank Ocean before that, and I was just having. Um, I was having flashbacks to 2016 and 2016 was just such a, it was a good year and it was a crazy year. Like I was listening to that same album when I got hit by a car, right? Long story short, I was riding my bike to a friend's house and somehow I got hit by a fucking car. Kid you not. I don't know. I almost died, but that's the truth. I did. I almost died. I had internal bleeding and things like that. So it was so funny, right? I'm, I'm in the hospital. And I turn on my phone and fucking Frank Ocean's playing. I'm like, holy shit. Like, I was listening to Frank Ocean as I got hit by a car. So I thought that was crazy. But I did survive. I did live. And I'm still here to this day. So, you know what I mean? It's it's all good vibes. But uh, that's the story of Matthew Henson. I hope you guys liked it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed learning about the first person to ever hit the North Pole and you know, how he was treated. It was it's, it's really bad. You know, so many people are, you know, creatives. We live in a time, especially now, we live in a time where people could just take people's ideas and make them their own. I mean, you'll have a status and somebody will, word for word, take your status and post it and get like a thousand likes and you only have like two or three. And it's okay because, you know, people are uncreative, you know. People talking memes now. It's so crazy. People think they're so funny. They'll they'll take whatever a meme say and they will say it. it. 
we we have we live in a time where people are just crazy. People people have no creative bone in their body. So you know, I you know I'm just blessed. I'm just happy that my life is the way it is. I'm just going to keep on going, keep on doing what I got to do, and I I think I'll get my roses one day, man. I'm not really stressing it, so. I know I said I was supposed to uh, do the podcast with Aaron this week, but he had to cancel because he's going to take a test that he's been taking since the beginning of time, and hopefully he'll pass this time. All right, y'all, I'm out of here. I'm over and out. Peace. I'll see y'all next week.